warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Still forgot to press record. <laughs> it's the Real Britannia podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Some people might disagree with that, might they, mate? <laughs> Plug it in. <laughs> Switch it on. We're talking to Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Oh, hello, mate. Sorry. It's, uh, hello. We, we were just talking off air that schoolboy errors when it comes to recording, like making sure cables are plugged in. And press record. Uh, press record's a good one. And also, making sure you watch the movie that you're going to review. <laughs> you tell that story. Well, I think most people realise, Stephen and I like to record a little bit earlier at a weekend to keep you know the weekend free for us. So we're doing this late Saturday morning. It's, it's sort of nearly 12 o'clock, actually. But it got to about 1.30, early hours of this morning. And I was sort of getting ready to go to bed, and I realised I hadn't actually watched the film. <laughs> it's it's been pencilled in, but but things have happened. I've had to do emergency. The emergency Real Britannia that I did with the guys from Talking Pictures TV had to take precedence this week, amongst other things. And and there's no excuse. But you found that highly amusing, didn't you? I, I did, and you know it. it it wouldn't probably have been so bad if it had been certain other normal wisdom films that you were more familiar with. Yeah, but, true. Yeah, I had um, to, I had to concentrate on this one because I haven't seen it. Because this yeah. one, yeah, is, is one not to spoil any surprises, but um, yes, it's one that you don't think you've seen before. No. So no. if it was, you know, a troubling story, you could have just... Oh, kind of wing you know, that, mate. Could no have, problem. Could have, yeah, of course you could. <laughs> um, we both could. But yeah, this one is, is one of the lesser... Oh, before we start, this is certainly no trouble in store this month. Um, I want to go straight into this, actually. Uh, sod this old chitter-chatter. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's talk about it. It's Man of the Moment. What year is it, Stephen? I can't remember. 1955? So, yep. third in our Norman Wisdom season, as we are glacially progressing through the Norman Wisdom movies. It's yeah. taking its time, but it's, it's good to see we're making some progress. Let's take a break. We'll be back after this. My lords, ladies and gentlemen, pray silence for the man of the moment. The man of the moment. The man of whom his colleagues in the diplomatic corps are justly proud. A statesman of incomparable elegance and stature, whose dignity has never failed him in his hour of need. I had a chat with a PM only yesterday, and he said, Say up! A grateful world is now familiar with the story of his meteoric rise to fame. The chain of circumstance that led him to Geneva as his nation's representative. 
but his success made him a target for less scrupulous statesmen whose ambitions he had foiled. It's ticking. Except it's a clock. It's a bomb. listeners of the podcast especially Norman Wisdom movies amongst others as well as Norman Wisdom you've got Lana Morris I think is making a reappearance here we'll have to talk about that Belinda Lee Jerry Desmond making a reappearance and when we get to the Hall of Fame oh, there's going to be a thousand people to talk about at some point so <laughs> I'm glad Stephen's got the responsibility for that later in the show as it was Stephen's choice of movie this week, he's also got the responsibility for reading out the synopsis, so it's over to you, my friend. Right, thank you very much. Diminutive diplomat protects Polynesian people against greedy global governments, batting away bombs, fending off femfatals, and amassing medals. Work of genius, my friend. Well done. That thank is. You. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was doing at, at, at half past one this morning, um, not not realising I hadn't watched the film. So. Oh, so you're digging out the, the the alliterative dictionary to come up with all those wonderful <laughs> long words. I said to you off air, I mean, I hadn't seen this. It's the third Norman Wisdom. They're knocking these out pretty regular at this point, you know, and, it, and it, I got the impression of this one that it's just a, a run-of-the-mill factory churned out. Look, we need to get a Norman Wisdom movie out for this summer. It's certainly not on the level of the previous two that we've seen before, mate. Would you agree with that? You're more than the Wisdom fan and the expert than I am. Yeah, it was very much, uh, uh, you know, capitalising on the the previous successes. Yeah. Um, you know, Troubling Star was uh, did have impact. Um, they quickly followed that up, uh, you know, as soon as they could, and they're basically churning them out annually. I mm. think there was actually. Um, Two produced in in one year, and I'm not sure whether it was. I think that's coming up next year. I think, yeah. yeah. So, um, which 
you know, was was regards to them um, getting them out to to keep the audience almost expecting there to be one every yeah. year. Like you say, it's, it's establishing that has been a pattern. Um, the the writer uh, or the writers, at mm. least one of the writers um, of this who did the original story, um, uh, Maurice Cohen. Yeah, um, he'd been involved in writing the previous two. Right, and um, strangely enough, this was the last one he did. Of, of Norman Wisdom, so um, I'm not 100% sure um, what that was That was down to. I mean, hopefully that wasn't because I couldn't find a, a, a date for him passing on, so I'm hoping right. that he didn't, you know. But um, I, I maybe it was just that he'd, he'd run out of ideas. Um, <laughs> and, and this is why this one is, is, of the three that we've done so far, this is the lesser of the three. Yeah. Um, it's, a for, it's a formula there is... You know, we said last time round when we did one good turn, it's a formula that they were trying to get right, and they kind of got it right first time off. Yeah, exactly. They were, they were, they were tweaking with it to see what else would work, and I think this again is taking to foreign climbs and putting into a different setting of, of a bit more higher brow. I mean, I know I've I've been to strangely enough, I've been to an international conference in Geneva and um so you know I forgot about that. So, yeah. so I'm 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 looking at him, you know, when he's on the you know, looking out over the Lake Geneva with the water spout going in the air and all this mm. kind of stuff and I'm thinking, Oh, I recognise that, it's still there. So I know it's like in conferences, you know, you get nudged to put your hand up at the same time as everybody else on your delegation is meant to be and all this kind of stuff. But it's not a natural environment for the non-wisdom character it's yeah um, he's not the downtrodden character he's in a way because it's still the ill-fitting suit and he's the lowest you know ranking official in this whole building because he's just sort of like third in line in the filing clerks in the hierarchy of things working in the basement but he's not you know the grown-up orphan the overgrown schoolboy you know working in where was the, it in the delivery part of the shop in in troubling store? Yeah, you know, it's, and the, it's, the um, police car uh, washer, you know, with aspirations <laughs> to be a, a policeman, but exactly, isn't all, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. There's that element of it, but it, you say it's elevated a little bit because he's suddenly brought into the higher echelons of, of you know, the diplomatic service. But I got the impression that the set pieces were quite good. I did enjoy the movie. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy the movie, but I'll say it's, it's definitely the third out of the three for me. The set pieces were okay. They were pretty standard. I love the bit where he's making the cups of tea. Yeah, that's know. probably the best set piece yeah. out of the lot. Yeah. But then there was a couple of other bits that were a bit, oh, they could have made more of that filing system that he had with the, the, the ladder on the wheels. You know, that that could have been a lot more chaotic than just one sort of, piece of the shelving falling down at one point yes yes and the bit where he's ripping the clothing off the tailors the the bit that i did like out of all of that sequence was when he made his own dinner suit out of an oversized dinner suit out of the wardrobe you know he's cutting off the sleeves and the the, um curtain tie (laughs) <laughs> the curtain tie as, as his, his sash yeah i mean they could have done a bit more with some with various bits of it like you've said there was the the angle of the bomb situation um which you know could have involved a, a, a bit more than it did perhaps mm. and a few little bits like like that and putting him up against you know real you know assassination type things at various points within the the film and and that level of industrial espionage no not industrial but international um, espionage you know it's almost putting him a little bit into the the realms of the james bond type thing when he's actual yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, when actual fact you know he's more at home as a character within the 
you know somebody pinching your milk bottles exactly yeah um, it's it's the everyday he's, he's the everyday character isn't he he's not yeah. he's not one of the the, the bods at Whitehall that's that doesn't suit him but at the same time certain things worked and certain things didn't I think I said to you before we started talking you know properly on air that I felt it was a bit padded because there was th- three musical numbers I think in this one where we've only had one possibly two in the others yeah and that is I think you know to make sure that they they do fill the time with perhaps because it being international, they only had a certain amount they could be using as scenery and, and you know, shots yeah. um, to fill out there, so they had to make the most. And obviously, maybe they were also thinking that the musical numbers provided an opportunity to release records, and I don't know how much of that Norman Wisdom himself might have wanted to have a record released uh, again to go into the charts. Well, he certainly wrote one of them, the didn't he? He yeah, certainly, he certainly wrote one, yeah. at least one of the songs from what I can make out, and I think the theme tune is sung by the Beverly Sisters over the credits at the beginning. So, you know, it's it, it's not a musical, but there's enough music in there to make it almost a musical at, at yeah, one point. <laughs> absolutely, and I mean, one of them a bit more of a, for want of a better phrase, a, a real song that's actually crooning, and the the other one is is more of a, a fun thing, maybe international for thing. Yeah, yeah, and the, the, the crooning one is definitely. Let's try and replicate the success of "Don't Laugh at Me." Yes, even the situation of it being outside, not necessarily in a park in this point, but you know, hiding behind bushes and, and crooning away to himself a "Woe Is Me" type song. Yeah, definitely an element of that. As I say, I, I didn't not enjoy this. As I say, despite the fact that it was a a last minute watch for me at you know stupid o'clock this morning, it kept my attention for the, the the 90 minutes or less that 88 minutes there we go that it was actually on screen for just looking at the actual release date is the 24th of november 1955 so it's heading towards the christmas period which i can imagine that's probably an ideal sort of period to release a norman wisdom movie, yeah wouldn't you? but but one good turn had got released early on in the year mm. so so it was the two in one year which ah, they were right. pumping them out so maybe that's why it was weaker because the you know it was they exhausted themselves on on the the um, one good turn and on uh, troubling star the previous year. But in you know, like you've said, you get the return of, of certain faces like uh, Jerry Desmond and, and Lana Morris. Just about to uh, say, yeah, it's the replication thing, isn't it? The formula they're trying to replicate, but they've got it slightly wrong here. But bringing the famous faces helps. I think it, I think it probably would have been a, a bit of a bomb. No, no pun intended, because of the the. the the, um, but I think it would have really um, sunk as being, you know, um, a, a low point in his career if it wasn't for the fact that it did have those two coming in as familiar faces from previously and, and lifting um, up, particularly Jerry Desmond. Yeah. Um, I think that does help, and I do think that the, you know, they've had a a, a slight changed over as well that they realised from the earlier one that the romantic interest way of doing in one good turn where he doesn't end up with the girl as as didn't sit as well as it did when he did in um, Troubling Star so that might have been why they were trying to capitalise on those returning faces and um, particularly Jerry Desmond like you say, good to see him back and to know that he's he's going to be repeating because the chemistry they, they have on screen um it works so exactly the, the the two polar opposites that you would need you know what you're going to get with him don't you it's yeah yeah and particularly because not just because of the way that 
Jerry Desmond does perform well, but also because of the, the characters that they put him in as. He's not, you know, he's playing um, a, a superior, but he's still in some way a petty superior. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's flawed himself. Um, which gives the the edge to Norman to get into, not just be beaten down all the time. It works as a dynamic, especially since they're obviously physically two different <laughs> types as well. You yeah. know, one short and squat, and the other one tall and, and angular. Exactly. So um, it's, it does absolutely that helps lift this film above um, what it could have been at the worst. But it's still, um, as we've discussed, it, it it's more formulaic rather than actually having the the bits that feel it's as genuine constructed into the story because it's part of the story. It's, it's almost like the, the, the plot is put around some of the set pieces and, and the formula of ticking boxes. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the most confusing bit of casting for me, and, and almost sort of an unnecessary character, is Belinda Lee as Sonia Carroll. Yes, the the I think he's Italian. I'm not too sure, but she's the international like starlet, the film starlet. Yeah, Italian. Yeah, and you know Norman has this obsession. It's his favourite film star. He's deeply in love with her, but I, I couldn't work out why she was introduced, apart from the fact that she was like the object of Norman's desire, and for them to him to suddenly meet her quite randomly as well at one point. You know that she actually turns up in the middle of this delegations conference. Uh, as, as a guest <laughs> viewer sort of thing well, I, for, for all we said about the, the padding element I think that there's a feeling that I have looking back on it that it's not just that there's padding going on but on the other side there's also bits where they're, they're perhaps cutting out things to save um, save time and expense because obviously two films in one year might have done that I mean it's only an hour and 25 minutes long so it's certainly not they're putting more into it than the, than the need to do yeah. but in, in retrospect you know if, with our um time worn eyes it could have been that the different delegations had different angles with trying to influence norman's character and it could have been the italians were going to use seduction whereas the the russians were going to use oh. assassina- assassination yeah and they've cut and they've cut out the entire piece to with so the italian it seems and, and, that way yeah and and that that's something that I've got no evidence to support my my mm. theory, but that would make sense if I found that out. I would I would believe it because it saves them time and expense of putting extra screen time there and filming and and you know not that they they were really saving money on cast because they had enough, but that that could have been that there was you know the multiple different delegations finding different ways to try and influence Norman. It it didn't quite sit. It almost felt like it. it was coming from somewhere else that hadn't been included and they just transposed it over because feels they had like it a, there anyway. Feels like a storyline that's missing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and that's that although it's not massively clunky, just for us it just I agree. It, it was it random. Feels, it just it, felt it a feels bit random. like it doesn't yeah, it feels like it doesn't fit. And the casting of Belinda Lee, when we get to the Hall of Fame very soon, it's another one of those sad British stories that Belinda Lee died tragically young. I think she was only about 25, 26. She dies in 1961. Yeah. Very young age. And on the BFI's website, they describe her as 
Um, of all the rank organisation starlets, Belinda Lee stands out as the most notorious, yet paradoxically anonymous British actresses of the 1950s. It's quite a familiar face, but then when you look through her filmography, which is only 25 or so movies, 30 at the most, there's a lot of Italian stuff, funny enough, towards the end of her career. But when you look at the stuff in the 50s, the year before, she made her debut in The Runaway Bus, which I think was Frankie Howard's first feature-length movie, first full-length appearance as a movie. She also appears in The Bells of St Trinian, so a major British movie the same year. 54, she stars in six movies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 55, Man of the Moment, plus another couple of others. But apart from that, Miracle in Soho... Oh, sorry, Mir- yeah, Miracle in Soho, which we will be covering soon at some point. Where the Wicked... You know, there's there's quite a few of these B British movies and she was always there as the starlet sort of thing and it's one of those tragic stories as I say that she dies tragically young but also it is almost one of those recognisable faces but when you look at the filmography it's like well there's nothing that points her out as being the star of any of them or one of the performances she's like, oh she's the one from so and so it's it's bizarre it's, it's, yeah it's almost as if you know you see some science fiction films and TV shows and mm. stuff like this and um, you know, there's people who, in a different reality, or um, didn't didn't do achieve the same fame, or um, or whatever, or they they are famous in a different reality, and they're not in the, the home one. And you have the character, the sort of our view, the character looking at this person and going, "But you're a famous person, and you're just there <laughs> cleaning cleaning the dishes." It's almost <laughs> like that. We're looking at her that she's she, you know, she had that that recognition in a way you look at a face and you think you're a star yes. but when you look at it you think you no, you weren't no. and so is it that you know that in some parallel universe that um she didn't die in a road accident and um carried on and became one of the the recognizable stars alongside various people maybe even hollywood you know and ended up um having a a, a more star-studded career mm. um and it was just cut short and in our minds she did have that career, even though it was it was cut away. But um, definitely, I mean, she's a beautiful girl, and you know, no problem with her performance. Um, so you know, there's no reason to believe she couldn't have gone on to to more. Um, but yes, tragically, um, that yeah. was that was cut short in in the sort of the six or seven years that she was she was acting, she was on screen. The BFI website have, have, have got it nailed. It says the most notorious, yet paradoxically anonymous British actresses of the 1950s. It's it's that face. You know that face. But at the same time, you know, she she will be bothering the Hall of Fame at some point eventually looking down that, that CV, but only just. Only yes. just. Um, interesting. I mean, we've got some other great cast that we will... T- I'll tell you, shall we do the Hall of Fame now? Because this cast list... Um, one thing I did after finishing this movie about 3 o'clock this morning was I quickly clicked onto IMDB just to have a little look because straight away there are three Hall of Fame legends in here there's one missing one of the big ones is missing but there's three massive massive names here for for us personally not massive names in you know what people might consider massive british actors or actresses but for us very very important but it is about us it is about us it's all about us mate and (laughs) i just looked at this cast list there must be a hundred people in this cast i don't know where they all were a lot of them are uncredited obviously we need to talk about at least three or four of them, mate. So, 
get your keys. Let's wander up the garden path to the village hall of fame. the village hall of fame open for business mate you've got your work cut out as per usual and i do thank you once again for all the effort you put in with this because i'd have got fed up with this months ago <laughs> no well i think i'm i'm just a bit too um pedantic uh, perfect man for the job perfect man yeah. for the job mate go on <laughs> so um and i do and as you know i do like a list yeah so, yeah so um, and that's not just when i'm leaning slightly um <laughs> so let's um, see what we've got then let's let's do the the never-ending, never-ending list of inductees or potential inductees. Right. Well, I, I'm not going to name everybody who normally I, I do make reference to those that are making a second appearance, even mm. though they've not got into the Hall of Fame yet. But um, because there's 13 people making a second appearance, I'm just going to that. Until um, they hit third appearance, I think yeah, is probably the best, yeah, best, best the, bet, mate. Well done. Yeah, they, yeah. They've got to try harder. Um, <laughs> you know, better luck next time, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. So, so moving on to the actual inductees um, who are making their third appearance, so do get a, a, a seat and a picture on the wall. Yes. We have 10 people making their third appearance and that's not including John Paddy Carstairs who is, is making his, his third yeah we can include him as we say um, it's, it's th- th- fairly and important in a, in a, you know a, a slightly different seat but still he's, he's there as his yeah. third appearance because he's done all the normal wisdom so far so that would um, that would qualify cool. so just just running through quickly then those that are making their, their third appearance we've got um, a guy called uh, Jack Key Okay, yeah. um, C-E-Y. He's done Troubling Star and Lavender Hill Mob before. Okay. Um, Dan, Dan, Dan Ellie, Night to Remember and One Good Turn. Yeah. Uh, Mabel Etherington, Night to Remember and Wicker Man, mm-hmm. which are quite different films. That's had a, yeah. a big gap in the years as well, yeah. a 20-year yeah. difference there, yeah. Exactly, yeah. We've got Rini Heimer, or Rini Heimer, mm-hmm. Troubling Star and One Good Turn, so very much the non-wisdom wow. yep. in there, one part of the, the stock crew maybe. Yep. Mary Maxfield, Night to Remember, One Good Turn. John Moore, Night to Remember and Heavens Above. Esme Smith, Troubling Star and The Rebel. Yeah. Uh, Tony Spears, Troubling Star, Night to Remember. <laughs> yeah. Running, running theme here. Um, Charles Stevenson, Night to Remember, One Good Turn. And then we've got finally the last person to have their third appearance is a guy called Norman Wisdom. Do you know what? I think we may have heard of him, but at, at yeah. last. Well, it's obvious on the third Norman Wisdom movie. Yeah, uh, he was going to get inducted because we're not going to. He, he never appeared as you know co-star in in most movies. You know, he's always no, the star. So, and I'm not sure. Did he? Did he maybe appear? He didn't appear in any any carry-ons or anything, did he? No, not at all. No, 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 no. 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 So um, apart from apart from being a body double in in James Bond, he's. Um, <laughs> um, I should. I should mention on on the basis of of the the as we say we've already mentioned that the second appearances it does include um, Jerry Desmond obviously because um, he's on his way in there and um, you know um, yeah yeah he'll, he'll, be, we, he'll, he'll appear eventually yes. yeah so I mean it does um, and obviously the uh, Maurice Cohen as I said did write three normal wisdoms so, but he didn't really um, 
you know, okay. go beyond that with no wisdom. But the fourth appearances, because yeah. you do have some people making a fourth appearance, <laughs> we've got 17 of those. I think you'd better just rattle off the names, mate, for that. Yeah, I'm going to, yeah, don't worry. Uh, uh, Dennis Carnell, Mike Connor, Austin Cooper, which I used to drive one. Austin Cooper, um, excellent. Fred Davis, Reggie De Beers, Richard Duke, Roy Everson, Chick Fowles, Gertrude Kerr, Leonard Llewellyn, Dickie Luck, Lewis Matto, Manny Michael, Jim Morris, Rob Raymond, Stuart Saunders and Pearl Walters. 14. So that, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's 17 fourth appearances. 17. Oh, my lot. Okay. Um, and then there's nine fifth appearances, which is Chris Adcock, Dan Cressy, Muriel Greenslade, Joan Ingram, Barry Johns, Frederick Kelsey, Cecil Paul, Howard Pears, and Michael Ward. Wow. And then there's nine fifth appearances. <laughs> I knew uh, this, this list was so long. I knew sorry, you'd have sorry, a lot nine, of work. So yes, nine nine six appearances. Yeah. Um, so that's um, one of which is uh, uh, what you alluded to before yep. is pa- Pauline Chamberlain. No, she wasn't one I was alluding to. Oh right, okay. But, we'll get on to the others. Yeah, uh, there, there's a couple of others. So, that, yeah. Uh, Jack Armstrong. Yeah. Victor Hagen. Uh, Jack Mandeville. Ernie Priest. Jack Silk. Jeff Silk. Joe Wadham and John Wilder. Right. Then we have six seventh, seventh appearances. <laughs> And that includes somebody called Charles Hawtrey. Cameo appearance almost, Cameo isn't it? Appearance, yeah. yeah. George Hilsden, Fred Macon, uh, Lola Maurice, Joe Phelps and Paul Stewart. Okay. And then five, <laughs> five eighths appearances, which is George Curtis, George Kerr, Eileen Lewis, Bruce Seton yeah. and... Graham Tunbridge. Bruce Seton was one that I'd noticed because he it's seems a, to be creeping in quite often. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two ninth appearances. I know where we're going with these. Go on. Uh, Ernest Blythe and George Holcroft. No, I don't. Then I, I take that uh, back. Right. <laughs> but you, you might guess. You might guess um, in the next one. Then that there's three eleventh appearances. Right. I'd, can I tell you who I've got on my list? Because I don't. Right. I, I'm not privy to the to the master list that you keep well, under lock and key. There's three eleventh appearances and one twelfth. Right. Just to finish off, so I've got three names here. Cyril Chamberlain. And you can tell me where these lie in a second, mate. The three names I've got is Cyril Chamberlain, Guy Standeven, and the Duchess Marianne Stone. Um I can't think what the fourth one will be, but it's gonna be someone we don't recognise. Go on, what have we well, got left? Uh, it- Yes, uh, 11 appearances for Guy Standeven. Yep. Um, which I, I've, I've noticed he's getting um, a, a notice on the Talking Pictures TV. I think he even has, has a klaxon. Um, so, um, Does he Guy now? Stand- because I, yeah. I've started doing one for Sam Kidd on the Talking Pictures TV yeah, podcast. So, um, so Guy Standeven, I, I know, got mentioned on the Talking Pictures TV yeah. recently. 11 appearances by him. Yeah. Absolutely, the Duchess, Marianne Stone. Brilliant, absolutely 11, brilliant. 11, 11 appearances, so she's... She's still there, fighting her corner, yeah. being at the t- top of her game, etc., etc. Excellent. Uh, the, the other 11th appearance is Ian Wilson. Right, so that, that puts Cyril Chamberlain above them. But Ian Wilson, that's a that's a weird one then, because that one has yeah. crept by without me realising. He's Yeah, I mean, I've been aware of him just because I was trying to get a good picture of him before, because he's been in the Hall of Fame. To be honest, Ian Wilson, I think, went in about episode 12 or 13. 
because wow. um, yeah we, I'm just looking down this Wicker Man for a start um, I mean we're not going to rattle them all off but there's 11 appearances for this guy and yeah he was he was in the plank and he was in Trouble in Star and then um, his third appearance um, Carry On Constable was, possibly um, it was Hell Drivers I think right because he's in a few Carry, on, carry yeah. on movies he's in a few Norman Wisdoms Oh my life, he's going to be another big contender, a big player. So, yeah, Heavens he's above, there, I can see well, them all, yeah. yeah. 11, 11 appearances, but he doesn't beat the governor, um, <laughs> Cyril Chamberlain, who's still on top form. He still is, you know, he's he's one ahead still. Um, Victor Harrington, uh, is Victor he above? Harrington, he's still keeping Victor Harrington uh, at bay. It's nice to have uh, Marion Stone and oh. Cyril Chamberlain in the same film, even though they don't actually work you know same scene no this is what i was gonna say it's it's very rare i think we found one film didn't i where where they're both together um and i can't remember for the life of me what it was might have been ladies who do or one of those that we watched recently yeah but brilliant to see marianne stone a talking part almost you know that she she's not uncredited she's there at the beginning as flory uh the char you know she's there cyril chamberlain good to see him not playing a lorry driver or a plumber or some sort of um, builder or something, you know. But even though he didn't say a great deal, you very rarely see Cyril Chamberlain in a suit. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, unless it's like some kind of um, ship's purser. <laughs> of course, um, he was. Yeah, he's yeah. Either carry on cruising or whatever. Uh, um, yeah. And I think that's the best picture I found of him through his, his photo on the <laughs> Hall of Fame wall. But her flexibility as as a character actress that she's. She's here playing somebody in the mail room, whereas you know we, as we've said before, um, the next film she'll be playing, uh, she will be playing some aristocratic lady. Of course. Um, and then, and then she'll be in Heavens Above with the, you know, talking with a cigarette <laughs> permanently hanging out of her mouth. Um, this is why we love her. This is yeah, why absolutely. She is. We we adore the, as the as the Duchess, whether she's playing a Duchess or a child lady, she's still a Duchess. And it's you know. Yes, it's a, a massive cast list. I think a lot of these people were there were guests at the parties or, or people who were sat in the background um, in the, the the hall at the conference and uh, you know or in the background at the cafe or in the, the reception area of, of the hotel. You know these kind of things. It was it was you know a lot of them were non-speaking parts just yeah. in the background and therefore uncredited. But yes, we had speaking parts from from our our favourites. So that's it's good it's always good to see those two isn't it so um, there's two more I want to mention that obviously haven't been inducted as yet did you spot Christopher Beanie aged about five years old I did yeah. yes he was here as a child actor and also I want to draw your attention to a lady called Peggy Ann Clifford who was the yes. the large chambermaid yes yeah and the, the, the foil for most of the physical gags that go on in this movie bless her because you know what, what's funnier than a fat bird pushing somebody into the water or you know it's, it's, it's always a staple of this sort of movie Peggy Ann Clifford had a marvellous acting career she will get inducted if she hasn't been already well no she mustn't she can't have been can she at the moment no no, no. Not, not yet no we will see her she was acting well into her 60s like in the 80s you know into the mid 1980s sort of finished her career in bit parts in like Heidi High or something like that um, most famously as soon as I saw her I recognised her you know what a massive Tony Hancock fan I am in The Blood Donor she's sitting in the waiting room and he sits next to a Tony Hancock and he's just doing his usual sort of like observations on life and, and Peggy Ann Clifford um, 
he has a bit of a running with her about her size and when she gets up to go and donate her blood he went good luck just think Cliff Richard might get yours that will slow him down a bit <laughs> always remember that lady she's just brilliant she, she made a career out of playing big old battle axes basically yeah it's kind of the, the Bella Remberg yes type, type, yeah you know and we will see her. She crops up in everything, mate. And and she is brilliant. She she cornered that market, mate. And she is absolutely fantastic. So we'll keep looking out for her, mate, because she's going to appear again at some point very, very soon. Lots of tea. Yeah. In fact, and also, just, mm. no, carry on. No, I've just noticed just flicking through. We've already seen her in Heavens Above, uncredited. Yes. So I think so. She's got two, uh, two appearances. So yeah. far, so yeah, not not far off, mate. She'll be there. Yeah, uh, and and you know when she does, obviously because it's another one of these stalwarts of the British cinema that you know they're keeping it going and and you know, often getting in there before the 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 bigger names, <laughs> as we've said. I was just going to say we we also just notable to for me just because I, I, I recognise him from being a character actor that that appears although he's not actually made it into the the Hall of Fame for you know for yet but I imagine he might do it's um Carl Stepanak okay oh um, no he was he was the one of the uh, diplomats one of the delegates yes, wasn't he yeah yeah um playing one of the the Russian ones even though I think he was from the Czech Republic or okay. something like that. Yep. Yep. but um. Yeah, he's, he's you know obviously played that kind of character in serious dramas as well as in in comedies like this. He was you know one of the 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 go-to people to play the the Eastern European bad guy sort of thing or, or whatever. And just to note that you know as I say he was in this and uh, we'll encounter him uh, again I'm sure because he was in over a hundred films. Wow. Uh, okay. And um, you know he's often playing those parts and um, we will. You know, Operation Amsterdam and Our Man in Havana and things oh, like that. Yeah. That he, um, he, he would, would have been in. He was previously in um, Private's Progress um, as one of the German officers, um, which, strangely enough, we've already reviewed, and it's the immediate film he did after Man of the Moment. So, um, <laughs> but okay, um, okay. so he, so he's on his second appearance. He's only one step away, and it's just, um, you know, one of those that. Is, is the background characters and when we do the third man I think that will probably be when he um, but yes just faces that we are used to seeing and particularly ones that we want to absolutely celebrate like uh, the Duchess and the Governor um, so we, we bring attention to them because they deserve that recognition and um, oh, we've been carrying the flag for all of these guys for four years now uh, we realised early on didn't we that yeah, we say this every week it's not the John Mills and the um, Lawrence Olivier's and the people we were expecting, you know, the Alistair Sims or, or whatever. It is the guy Standevens, the Victor Harringtons. He's the only one missed out of that. Is Victor Harrington? Amazingly, all the ones we speak about were here. Yeah. Bruce Seaton, Guy Standeven, Marianne Stone, Cyril Chamberlain. There's the five, I think, isn't there? The one we've realised, and, and Victor Harrington is there, you know, with them. So. Yeah, and it's just a shame he, he, you know, he was he was missing from that. So he we, was we probably didn't, acting in three of the week. We, we didn't get the yeah, we didn't get the uh, we didn't get the bingo card done uh, as much as we would like to have done. Do you reckon uh, there is a somewhere that has got all five of them in? If there is, we're going to find it. Because it would have been night to remember, if anything. It would have been, but I think that's the closest we're going to get, mate. Four out of the top five there. Well, sure. yeah. I mean, it's 
you know, we, we'll keep striving for it. We'll also keep striving for the one where we eventually get some of them actually interacting on screen. Oh, that would have been in the same film. I mean, I know Victor Harrington is some um, one of the future normal wisdoms. I can't remember which one it is that he's in. It's probably might in a be, couple, mate. He's probably in a couple. Maybe just, might be just, just my luck or one of them that yeah. I think we know he's, he's in. Absolutely, we, we know he's there. In, in, in he, he's probably in... Probably wasn't in this because he was doing seventeen other films at the same exactly, time. Exactly. Exactly. Um, just looking, actually, just looking on his his CV now. Yeah. Uh, for nineteen fifty-five, how many films did, did he do himself in nineteen fifty-five? This is Victor Harrington. Yeah. Uh, Twenty-two films he was in in nineteen fifty-five. It's like one a fortnight. He's <laughs> yeah. probably doing two at once, you know. So he couldn't squeeze in man. Um, he couldn't squeeze we'll in for, man of the moment. Yeah, we'll, we'll forgive him. Uh, <laughs> he was for, a little uh, bit busy. For, for, not, for not making an appearance yet, and and going, oh well, I'll I'll just uh, I'll 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 sit this one out, guys. And yeah. I'll, I'll be... for, for, for... Nobody, nobody will notice me not there. We did. It's not, it's, not, it's not like there's going to be some people in, in you know, in, in seventy years' time um, talking about me. Um, I'm, I'm just not noticeable. Nobody will remember me in seventy years. Oh, I, oh, I think you'll find. Yeah, you'll um, find that, that we did. Bearing in mind it's my choice for the next show, I've just noticed that there is there is a crossover coming up in the next one. There's a, there's an actor called Eugene Deckers appears in this in Man of the Moment. Oh, yes. And he's yeah. also going to appear in the next one as well. So I'll, oh, I'll, I'll keep you on tenterhooks until we reveal what that is. Now, in summary, I think, yes, I enjoyed it. It's one of the minor Norman Wisdom, certainly so far out of the three. It's the one I've least, not necessarily enjoyed, it's the one I've least got the most out of. It's, 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 it's not up there, certainly not up there with Troubling Store and the second movie, but I know there are some greater things to come. So I'm not overly worried. You know, we're going to get different levels of wisdom, mate, if, if you know what I mean. So you, you'll probably agree with me as well on that, because you're, yeah. so you're more the expert on this. So. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a, a lower point within the canon of, of non-wisdom films. They were trying something else, and it didn't maybe work as well as it could have done. They were maybe trying to squeeze an extra film out, and, and production-wise, they were maybe not giving it their all. Certainly, you know, it wasn't enough to finish his career because he goes on to bigger and better, to be perfectly honest. I think the next one is up in the world, um, where he's the, the, the window cleaner. And that oh, is... Can't um, wait for that. That, that, is, that yeah. is one of the, the top five, really. Classic, think, isn't it? Yes. Um, yes. So, he come, so he comes back from this with, with an absolute stink, you know, a stonker, really. And we can, you know, we'll get Jerry back there and there's... there's Where's Colin Mr. Gordon Grimsdale up here? When, when are we going to get Mr. Grimsdale? Strangely enough, he, he he doesn't crop up for a couple. I'm not... Yeah. Um, it's... Sort of the 60s think, stuff, uh, isn't it, almost? The, the couple of the it, late 50s, No, I mean, it's, it's the one... It's, yeah, it's the late 50s. It's the mm. one after this, which is uh, just my lucky. The one after is, is the one where... Uh, what's the one where they're in the army together? Bulldog breed. No. Um, square peg. Square, square peg. Square peg. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the first time as well when I think Norman is playing a character, the, the Pitkin. Wasn't he Norman Pitkin in Troubling Store? Was he? I think he was Norman Pitkin in Troubling Store. Because it was interesting, he didn't have a surname. 
and they kept referring to him as Mr. Norman in this one as well, as well yeah, as yeah. Lord the, the Sir Honourable. Yeah. <laughs> the Honourable Sir Norman, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this may be a, a, it's still enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, as you know, normal wisdom films are. It's certainly not in any way taxing uh, for anybody. Um, no. it's, it's an easy watch, you know, so it's possible to watch it when you're um, tired and you uh, should be in bed. One thirty in the morning, perfect viewing, mate. It was it was an easy, easy watch. Yeah. I, imagine, I imagine if that had been the previous film we'd been watching, Hunger, um, and you got to that stage, oh. you'd, you'd, you'd have gone... I'm not watching it now. Uh, we're going to postpone the uh, the record because. Yeah. Uh, but this, yeah, you I, I wouldn't watch. have slept after. The, no, <laughs> it would have kept well, me this, awake all night. Yeah, especially with what you would have done with your bedroom walls. But um, <laughs> this, this, this you can watch in. You know, no matter how tired you are and and how brain fried you are or whatever. Yeah. This is is such an easy watch, and there are there are laughs in it. For all we, you know, we've we've drawn out some negatives from it because of how it compares to the ex- absolute excellence of other non-wisdoms it still is funny there still have some good physical gags in it and even okay you know some of the good sort of word gags in there as well um in bits and pieces you know um yeah. asking where he's superior and he says oh you know he's you no know, he's off with flu you know where's where's he flew to where's no he flew he's got to. flu but also yeah, yeah that as i say the set pieces with making the cups of tea and they're trying to read a map at the same time, and they're pointing and put it there, sort of thing. And Norman's putting the cup down, and then and that's putting the sh- oil in, putting the oil, yeah, and sugar lumps and all. That was great, yeah. you know. That that was the best set piece out of all of it, yeah. um, and possibly the highlight for me, I think. And it's and but that's him not being part of the upper echelon group yeah. like he was later in the film. It was him being still very, being very much the bottom, the anonymous, that's him. faceless, um, yeah. put upon. Yeah, yeah. So, so and I think worked. they realise they realise that's what does work with that character. But um, but no, it's, you know, it's still an enjoyable film. Um, still worth seeing. Not necessarily like um, Troubling Star, which is worth going out your way to see. Yes. This this perhaps not so. It's, it's completists, it's, completists almost. Yes. Do, doing what we do. Mm. I would say so. Is you know that was where I was, I was going as well. That it's yeah. it's only for those that want to be able to say they've seen them all. It, you're not going to be losing out by not seeing it, no. unfortunately. But um, but it's you know it's it's not a loss to watch it either, especially considering that it, it stays so briefly there. I mean, a, a, an hour and twenty five is is incredibly short, even for films of the time. It's perfect um, for one thirty in the morning, uh, a ninety minute movie. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a slight change of pace for the next one mate are you ready to find out what we're going to be watching next time oh yes i look forward to this bit yeah okay see you in a second Okay, what we're watching next time, mate. What I was thinking, because my brain was fully active at three o'clock this morning, trying to <laughs> trying to think of something to bring to the table for next time. What I was thinking, I was trying to think of something a bit more brighter, colourful, 
action-based, you know, possibly a bit of an old historical swashbuckler, or we haven't done many epics, you know, we're saving Zulu and Lawrence of Arabia for yes. sort of celebratory issues or, or, or something like that. So I wanted something going down those lines, and I went down a bit of a rabbit hole um, early hours of this morning trying to think of something. And what I've come up with is on paper... You might think, ah, that's not a British movie, but believe me, it is. It's directed by J. Lee Thompson, who's possibly best known for some sort of Hollywood blockbusters like some of the Planet of the Apes movies or Guns and Averone directed, you know, those sort of Cape Fear. He did the first Cape Fear. But then when you go back into his career and you find out that he directed Tiger Bay and Ice Cold in Alex, you know that, you know, we've got a nice bit of British pedigree here coming up. The cast list, right? Again, you're going to dispute. Oh, that's not British. When you when you see the cast list, has got Herbert Lom and Lauren Bacall in it. You're going to question my decision. The star. This is also in sort of like a a way of trying to make sure that those names that we wanted into the Hall of Fame do actually get there. The famous faces and the famous names. It's a Kenneth Moore led vehicle. We love a bit of Kenneth Moore. We've decided. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a historical epic set in the northwest frontier colonial India 1905 British army officer Captain Scott is sent to rescue a five year old Indian prince and his American governess uh, Catherine Wyatt from certain death at the hands of rebel tribesmen it's a bit longer it's two hours ten minutes it's northwest frontier a real sort of like boys own adventure type thing and uh, it'll it'll do no harm to uh, uh, Wil- in Wilford Hyde White in yeah. it so he'll um I'll do do him some good as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and I understand. You know, we there were various films at a certain time in the fifties and sixties where they imported American yeah. talent in yeah. um, to try and and make it more saleable in in, a, in the states. Um, but that doesn't stop it from being a British film. It's a, it's a rank uh, production, so, I think. You know, yeah. um, apart from Herbert Lom and Lauren Bacall, that then again, Herbert Lom appeared in dozens and dozens of British movies before going over to Hollywood. And, you know, it's, it's just a, a complete change of pace, mate. You know, we've got... Um, it's filmed in Cinerama, which not many movies were, you know. Uh, Technicolor, you know, big widescreen thing, massive, great um, chase on a railway towards the end. You know, lots of gunfights and men on horseback and stuff. I just I just fancied something like that for a change, mate, just to lift it up a wee bit. There's no no problem with, with that sense, you know, a bit of bit of costume and a bit of um british empire you know type thing you know why not have a have an injection of that without touching on the likes of zulu and stuff it's, well, a, it's a different um angle on that a serious um, contender before that which i was looking at um was khartoum the general gordon film all right yeah but it's got Charlton Heston with a really dodgy British accent, you know, talking about importing American actors, you know, to, to appear in British movies. And Laurence Olivier in the most offensive blackface you've ever seen. Um, it, it, we'll get to it eventually, mate, but it doesn't really fall in the wheelhouse of typical British movies, but it is, it still ticks all the boxes of British director, I'm assuming, I can't remember British production, you know, but it's it's one of those big epics that's just sort of playing second fiddle to Zulu and Lawrence of Arabia, you know what I mean? So, I think this is this is more British than on paper it appears to be. Yeah, and I'm absolutely, you know, accept that it's not not a problem. I know 
I watched earlier on in the week, I watched Passport to Shame, which has got, obviously, in it, along with the fantastic looking Dana Dawes in it. Oh, um, so had nice. had Herbert Lom in it. Yeah, um, he was in loads of but stuff, it, wasn't he? Mm. But it also had, uh, his name's gone and escaped me now, I had it a minute ago, mm. um, had the, uh, you know, an uh, American lead actor, uh, essentially as the hero, um, in order to give it a bit more of a, a saleable um, value. Yeah. So that was what was happening, and um, certainly this was the time when, when British cinema was, was, you know, punching its way in a different way to what of it course, is. Of course, of um, course, I'm looking forward to it, because so, I, I think it's one of them ones that was always on in the background on bank holidays or whatever, and I don't know if I actually sat and watched this properly. So I had a look at the trailer this morning, and yeah, I, I, this is a proper Sunday afternoon job, mate, so I'm going to probably watch that today or tomorrow. Um, and 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 stays it's you know stays the course a lot longer than than the normal wisdom film we just watched it's almost an hour longer you know yeah than, that, that's so. what I mean it's something to get your teeth mm. into we've got a you know a sprawling epic mate boys own adventure ripping yarns it's almost one of those you know so yes looking forward to it now if things go to plan if I get my finger out if the editing all goes to time and you know we don't have any emergency episodes in between this should be episode 99 that we're on at the moment we think yes so Northwest Frontier as well as all the backlog of other stuff we've got is not going to appear for a little while yet but we're hoping to record episode 100 in the next couple of days and it's been penciled in for a long time mate isn't it because we made arrangements with Anthony our dear friend from the Glass Onion on John Lennon podcast, who's going to come back, and, and we thought well, we need a big British movie, and we're not quite ready for Lawrence of Arabia. That's a bit precious to me. I've always said that, um, but we're going to do the Third Man as episode one hundred, and it's also be released on our fourth anniversary. Yes, coming out of the the usual sequential that we like to have where possible to have that what we're announcing at the end of the show is what comes up next. Um, in, in, we've had a few um, uh, instances where that hasn't happened due to special appearances of people yeah. or, or, or anniversary dates or things like Christmas and, and yeah. Halloween. So and this I like to refer to it as backpedalling, mate. That's what we do. We're experts at backpedalling. <laughs> well, you know. But yeah, it, it never works to plan. But we had a little look, didn't we, at the schedule, what's been recorded, what's coming up this morning you know we, we sort of fine-tuned it a wee bit we worked out that this is achievable this episode today is 99 we think yes if, if we're wrong we're wrong is, is anybody paying attention to what the episode numbers are i don't think they are i don't yeah, think anybody I, really cares I, I, you know? dare you to challenge us yeah <laughs> so anyway that's been man of the moment I did enjoy it. It was okay. You know, it, it wasn't bad. It was it was a, an okay watch. But as I say, I'm looking forward to the next Norman Wisdom a little bit more, I think. Stephen, thanks for being here. As always, mate, it's an absolute pleasure not only recording with you on a, you know, a weekend morning, but having our sort of chats beforehand and catching up and putting the world to rights like we try to do sometimes. Yeah, and, and whether that's the, the kind of world everybody wants put to right or not is, is immaterial. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our world on this podcast, and this is you know how we <laughs> like it. Whether it's black and white or, or technicolor, you know, we, and whether you're having a comedy or a drama, we're still proudly, uh, you know, classic British cinema. Um, there's, there's plenty out there we haven't covered, mate. There's, there's a, a few we, thousand of them. <laughs> yeah, we can we can carry on for years and hopefully will but but yes you know it's always a pleasure and um i'm glad we we have 
ticked off another normal wisdom and we're yeah. about to sort of embark when we do start in with them again later in the year we'll be um into some of the the real highlights uh, with regards to his catalogue can't wait absolutely can't wait mate thank you so much as i say see you very soon see you in a couple of weeks time take care mate Tada. take care Good luck. Thank you. Hand up, sir. I'm sick of pain. <laughs>